0: Hello from Rugusu Primary School in Ntumburi in northern Kenya, which is full of bright, smiling faces and a lot of excitement for this week's Convex Conversation. The school nestles on the edge of Lewa Wildlife Conservancy, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and has around 70 pupils. I've traveled from London with half of Team 91. They've just met the other half of their team who've traveled up from Cape Town. They're here to run the famous Lewa Marathon and Half Marathon for conservation charity Tusk. 91 is an active global investment manager whose goal is to provide long-term investment returns to their clients. What's making a positive difference to people and the planet. And here, Lewa's grasslands are home to lions, giraffe, zebra, buffalo, rhino, antelope, elephant, and many other savanna species, protected by the conservancy and local communities. Beyond its boundaries, though, this part of Kenya is facing a horde of ecological problems, including rapidly diminishing natural resources. Widespread conservation awareness, therefore, is vital. Afantis Mugo is Conservation Education Programme Controller for Lawa, and in fact was named Disney Conservation Hero in 2020. He provides these young inquisitive minds with the tools and information to do better for the wildlife and the environment and help their communities thrive alongside the endangered species which share their land. Some of Africa's most threatened wildlife, including 15% of all Kenyan rhinos, more than 400 elephants, 11% of the global population of Grevy's zebra, lions, primates, hyenas, and more than 480 species of bird live here. And as you drive around, it's amazing how many of those you just spot. And the fantas was key when 91 set up their Next Generation Conservation Program with the charity Tusk to connect the children of their staff in the UK to Young Conservationists in Africa, a joint and very special learning program. Afantas, I'm absolutely delighted to meet you in what very much is your natural habitat at the school. Tell me a bit about this beautiful school and what you do.
1: Yes, welcome to Ellen to Kenya and more so to Africa and Kenya. I learned the conservation education program, which is a program based in Lewa, a Lewa program that really focuses into communicating conservation to the communities and more specifically our focus is creating a generation that really values world Drive, appreciates its importance and more important a generation that will be able to take care of the environment in the future. It's a role that I've taken for more than 10 years on Lewa when I joined Lewa in a in 2011, when my key responsibility was to set up the Conservation Education Center, a center that they never had in the beginning. And the idea was giving children or the communities an opportunity to really get exposed to issues on environment and wild drive that we have on Lewa. And more important to have an opportunity to really see some issues that human beings have been contributing that affect the environment. So the centre is based in the Conservancy. It's a centre that has accommodation facilities to be able to host those students that come from very far. And we have exploration exhibits that really help deliver various sessions that we'll be able to talk about later today and also we give guided game drives when the students come to the Conservancy. So the program is more about engaging the students and more so we do follow-up programs to the schools like Lugoso and other 22 schools at Lewa, where we have to visit them, give them some ideas on how to better their environment and support them with some ideas on conservation initiatives. But for them to implement this, we work with the teachers and therefore we also need to, from time to time, bring teachers for training on the Conservancy. So this is really an overview of what we are engaged in doing. And I am happy that is a lot that I have done for the time I've been here until in 2020. That was exactly 10 years after working these in the Conservancy. I was uh, named the conservation ELO by, by Disney, which was really a very exciting load to have this recognition being, given, being given this recognition in the world and being among the 20 conservation Elo, ELOs in, in, in that year. So it's something that I really appreciate. And today I stand also to coordinate other environmental education activities in in the continent being the international zoo educators, uh, legional representative for Africa.
0: Oh my goodness, Afanthas, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I mean, there's no wonder you're a conservation hero. There are so many questions. That spring to mind. Can we start off maybe by you explaining to me some of the examples of the problems that you have here and how you demonstrate those problems to young people and local communities and show them how they need to fix them?
1: Our program was basically based on addressing the issues that relate to their, their challenges. Lewa borders pastoral communities on one part of the conservancy. Well, as the last part of the conservancy, we have uh, small scale farmers that really do agriculture. They, they grow crops. And it's important to mention also that Lewa sits in a semi arid environment. So when you say growing of crops is not in a very high rainfall environment, it's uh, crops in an area that has a lot of challenging climate, low rainfall is a dry area with very low rainfall and therefore those farmers that try their crops, they try to do small-scale farming. And our work has been to help them realize that conservation of the environment is something that each one of us embrace or understand the challenges that face the environment and work towards addressing those issues, then they can be able to do that. And I would like to point out that for the pastoralists, the challenges has been low rainfall which really affects their pasture. And our lessons has been helping them realize that their large number of livestock in a way have an impact to the environment. Land degradation is a big problem in this area. And this doubled with some communities maybe relying on the environment to cut down trees, to make charcoal for selling and this is as as a source of income because again, livestock may not be giving them a lot of income, this also makes the challenge much bigger. So engaging the communities to realize that their impacts with their livestock, with cutting down trees, really have a negative impact on the rainfall patterns as well as the pasture for the livestock, is one of the things we want the communities to learn that they have a responsibility of stopping that or maybe reducing that otherwise. The environment may not be habitable tomorrow. The farmers on the other side, as much as they are trying to try their agriculture in a rural environment, we try to help them understand that growing of crops that are adapted to dry areas is one of the ways that they can try to grow some food for their families. But again, embracing some water conservation measures because they have to rely on water conservation in their farms is one of the things that would ensure that there is less competition for that resource that is very rare. This is because our impact, our support in the communities to give them water is one of those things that we are always trying to ensure that communities have access to water for drinking and where possible for agriculture. So those challenges face the farmers.
0: What about the wildlife challenges, of Antas? How do you get across to the communities that they need to work hand in hand with the wildlife and that actually it's beneficial to them as well as obviously our planet?
1: Yes. Uh... I certainly with the agriculture and livestock because that's what really the communities rely on on their livelihood that the how they see as a something that gives them the direct income to feed their families. But our landscape setup is, is very different and unique to very many places in the world in that the pastoral communities interact freely with the wild drive. So as we are encouraging them to think about taking care of the environment, we know that the wild drive are sharing water points. The wild drive are sharing the, the habitats, the pasture with the with the livestock. Sometimes communities wouldn't consider wildlife Drive to be a threat that they are using taking their resources. So our messaging has been on how they can coexist with Wild Drive. And to some extent we have been encouraging the communities out there to consider tourism initiatives and where they are able also to host visitors in their campsite and utilize wildlife Drive in their land for income generation. The reason why we do that is that we cannot tell them to stop livestock production. We cannot tell them to, re- to get off the wild drive in their land. But if the six together, the community will have a double benefit of benefiting from livestock as well as wild drive. Some still sometimes conflicts exist where we have elephants breaking the fences or lions getting into their livestock and through the lewers... Drive department. We are able to work with the communities to have the predator-proof bombers, teach them on how to do them, the specifications on what would best work to keep the wild drive away from their, their livestock. So those are some of the efforts that we have to keep on engaging the communities. For the farmers, we have been trying the beekeeping projects as a talent to help the elephants not to close to the communities. And this is an idea that is still being trialled out because it has been said that elephants do not really like like bees. The buzzing and the sting of the bees, they, they, they know that the sting of the bee would make them very uncomfortable and the sensitive part of their tasks, if it is stung, then elephants would avoid the bees.
0: So that's a good natural way of. Perhaps keeping them away. Yes. You were involved, Afantis, I know, with 91 in London, who have kindly brought me out on <clears throat> what is not only my first visit to Kenya, I've yes. never been to Africa. I'm not quite sure how I got to this grand old age, mm-hmm. never having been here. But tell me about the 91 Next Generation Conservation Programme and what that involved.
1: The Next Generation Project by 91 was a very unique opportunity for Lewa and more specifically for the children. The conservation education program has been giving students on Lewa an opportunity to visit Lewa. We would handle them for a day and take them through the conservancy, show them our drive and to learn about the environment. But when Nintawan came on board to give us an opportunity to expose these students to link up with the children from USA and UK and other places to interact and share various lessons from their landscape. It was really a life-changing moment for the students. It did not come very easy because again for the students talking in English and continuously engaging in English was not very easy. So for the students it was like their first time to like have an such an engagement virtually. Most of the times Visitors have been coming to learn but engaging them one-to-one, and many at times students participating in groups. But this time it was uh, one student individually taking control of the screen to talk to the other students. So it gives students an opportunity to gain confidence, make friends, and the feedback that we got also was, uh, it was amazing for them to realise When you talk about wild drive in Kenya like elephants and animals are they able to see across the fence, the students that were communicating in in other continents really expressed a very different environment whereby they were not able to get such closer to the wild drive as they do here on Lewa. And one of the amazing things was students would really appreciate that. We have a lot of World Drive resources on Lewa, whereas those other students, they can only access World Drive by visiting, maybe zoos and other places, something that in Kenya we take for granted, that animals are just a few meters from the school.
0: I would imagine that the children here got a lot out of that program, but also the children in the UK would have also really, really benefited
1: definitely yes it was actually it was not like a one-day event we and the children talking to each other where students were learning from each other but a very interesting opportunity to engage students at the education center where i did take them around virtually at the education center showing them through the various exhibits that we use to communicate conservation aspects in our case, conservation would be the challenges we face in the environment, human-wildlife conflicts that communities face, issues to do with poaching, challenges that really impact on the environment. Whereas, well, when engaging that information with the children in the other continents, maybe to them those are not the problems that we really come across. Then it was an amazing opportunity for me also to. I realized that the question they were asking was about if if somebody hunt animals in their land whether they would allow them to kill the animal those, those are questions that really were very different from the questions you would get in a similar setup with the schools in this country the questions i was getting from the students in uk and us are very different from the questions i would get from the students here and Many times uh, some questions, for example, that I got was about whether people who have animals on their land would really be around to eat those animals or whether there is any permission to own the animals in Kenya. Whereas in the case of Kenya, when wild is on your, on, on your land, people always ask why is it that the authority is not coming for the animals and taking them to the conservancy. Because wild drive is considered like a threat by the farmers, by the pastoralists, because if carnivores get to pastoralist land, they are likely to maybe kill their livestock. Well, as if elephants get to their farms, then they would eat on their crops. But then the engagement hand with the students from UK, then they were. It was very unique that they would consider they would not think that wild life can exist with the humans.
0: That's amazing. And you were saying that a year me. on, yes. some of the students still remember yes. each other's a near,
1: needs. Yes, a year later, today's visit which we earned together with you as we are trying to find out what students can remember. It was amazing for me that students still able to remember their, their friends that they hand one chat on the tablets. They're able to remember where they live and what their favorite lights or their hobbies. Which is something an attachment that uh, i still feel if these children and an opportunity to like to continuously engage i think there's a lot the two can be continuously learn from each other on the various cultural differences that really exist
0: you showed me in the education center two exhibits which I thought were really striking we looked at the conservancy land next to the land outside of the conservancy and you put some rainfall on it so perhaps you can describe that to me and also the carcass of a rhino can you just explain how you use those two exhibits to to get the message across
1: yes that's a visual which i designed as one of the ways that i would be able to communicate those hand topics um, that would explain to the students theoretically and bring them to a picture on the reality. And the model about a table with a degraded environment and a well-conserved environment was to help the children appreciate that a degraded environment has more challenges while a conserved environment, there are so many benefits that one really gets. And you realize the table was a slope With vegetation on one side and no vegetation on the other side and the actual creation of rainfall or making some rainfall fall on that table was to really help the learners to really look at how water behaves when it lands or when it falls on a degraded environment as compared to a place with a lot of vegetation on the degraded environment one of the things that you realize is that the water lands very fast and it is an easy way to explain how soil erosion is a factor of a degraded environment. More soil is carried away in such an environment and uh, flooding is a problem we always complain about as communities and flooding may be as a result of nothing pleasant in the environment to slow down the water. So people complain of flooding who complain about soil erosion, and by extension, the soil is not good for agriculture, or for pasture, for the animals. So this is a, an image to show them that when you let the environment to land away because of soil erosion, then you have a very difficult environment for our agriculture or for the livestock. The well-conserved environment, there are still houses, there are people living there, the water falling on that environment does not go down very fast and therefore it's easy to appreciate that when water falls on a well conserved environment then we are assured of intact soil, vegetation, of pasture as well as water during the dry season. So that is one model that we really try to help the communities realize and the most amazing thing that I always get from that model is when the students come here the model as you see it shows a degraded environment and a well-conserved environment. When the students come here they say that this is Lewa and this is community. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never tell them the two but themselves they say this is Lewa and this is community because actually they can pick this as a true picture of where they are coming from.
0: Well, it's the same thing with the rhino carcass, wasn't yes. it? You were showing bullet holes yes. in the rhino carcass, and that, I presume, is to to enable you to talk about poaching.
1: <laughs> yes. Many a times in the classroom setup, for example, in the lessons in science, we talk about some impacts humans have on the environment. Poaching is one of those elements that are mentioned in our natural law in our in in school curriculum. Talk about poaching as a problem. But again, from the class setup, how do you show po- poaching? From from the communities, people may lean that as a story. may think that poaching was happening many years ago. But when you get the students in the conservancy and we are going out on the game drive, seeing rhinos and mention that poaching is the biggest threat to animals like elephants and uh, and rhinos, it still becomes a theory because they can see the animals and they cannot see anyone in any, any of those animals poached. When we get to the education center, we give them an example of an animal that was poached. The skeleton that you saw is a white rhino that was poached in 2013. The rhino was poached when it was pregnant, so it was expecting a calf. And when we look at the skeleton and see the three bullet holes, one on the skull, the other on the front leg, and the other one on the back leg, you realize how humans just would kill the animal, not because they're interested with meat, but just because they're interested with the horns. It really touches the students to really think that an animal which is the second largest land animal is being killed just because of the horns and the rest of the body is left lying down. So it's a message that really touches the children. But more so, we have a fetus below the skeleton of a rhino that was got after poaching. So when he went for postmortem, we were able to get that fetus, and deliberately, I requested the vet to carry, that I, to be allowed to carry that fetus, because it passes a message on how humans, through poaching, would affect various generations of rhinos. And a simple calculation that we always do there is that uh, 2013, we lost that rhino, that, uh, the skeleton that you saw, the rhino and the mother. But again, rhino-carving interval is three years. Between 2013 and 2022, how many calves do you think we have, uh, we have missed if that rhino was alive? I don't, mean, I'm okay. doing know, yes, Tell need, me, I'm no I don't need, know. You need, you need. You need to calculate in 20, 2013, If that calf was born, that in twenty sixteen would get another calf. Twenty nineteen would get another calf, and today in twenty twenty two, we'll be having the fourth calf
0: it's very so, important to bring that to life isn't it when you're i can see that you're a very visual person yes. and i'm sure that really does resonate with yes. with the children i'm curious to know a a bit about your home and what it was like growing up on the eastern side of mount kenya because yes. here you are at Lewa. Yes. i've only been here a few hours today and yes. in the first 10 minutes yes. i saw zebra. I saw rhinos, I saw an ostrich and a giraffe and three elephants in the distance. But you didn't grow up with lots of big wild animals where you were growing up, did you?
1: No, my experience is very different. and uh, I have not grown up in a wild rich environment. And um, I've grown up in a coffee-growing part of the other side of Mount Kenya. We are on the northern part of Mount Kenya. And I've grown up on the eastern side of Mount Kenya, where we have good soils, we have good rainfall. We have grown up uh, harvesting coffee and taking coffee to the to the factory. Oh, you're my kind and, of uh, man. I should have uh, got you to meet one. A very different environment from uh, from this place, but again, each place you live in has its own challenges i grew grown up to an environment where we, we are farmers. We are just, every day we are in the farm. I never had an opportunity to see any wildlife as I grew up. I would say the largest wild animal that I ever came across that was a
0: squirrel. <laughs> like me. <laughs> and, uh,
1: this was because the squirrel would come and uh, come to our farms to feed on the nuts. And in my primary school and I would say primary school and high school because I schooled on the same side of the mountain. I only had an opportunity to visit a conservation area once, and that is a park to the city, to Nairobi, which is our capital city. And it was a, a trip that we worked very hard in people's farm to raise money to get the opportunity to go for, for the trip. And at that time, I was around 10 years old I was in grade five. It is the first time that I was able to see some animals like zebras, buffaloes and rhinos in Nairobi, animal orphanage.
0: How did you feel when you saw them for the first time? Do you still remember that feeling?
1: It was really very unique and definitely that is where you, I think the first feeling is you get so scared because again, these are the animals you have never come across any other day. You feel so scared. You always told old well, animals are dangerous. So it's not something that you you want to get closer like you have always wanted with the cows. So I got very scared. But it was just one life opportunity between in my high school, when I created high school. And never had an opportunity for another trip. So, where did your love of conservancy come from, Aventus? So, after high school, I had um, an opportunity again to think of a course that I would ta- pursue further. And one of the things that always I could I, I could feel like was working in a conservation area. Even the feeling that I the attachment that I got during that time was. I would wish to get another chance to even see Wild Drive more. It was a one-off opportunity, which never came again. And when I was uh, thinking about my career and a choice of what to look for and to apply for a course in Wild Drive management. So I applied in one of the Kenyan universities, which I did an undergraduate course on Wild management. And I I don't regret that it is through the wild drive management course that I had an opportunity to even get closer to more wild drive, visit so many national parks in this country, and I was able to learn more about and work for the wild drive that I really, I really loved. And as a wild drive management practitioner who was really qualified in the management of wild drive, something really happened. After clearing my university, after four years, I did not go to manage well-drive dielectric. I happened to land in a conservation education center, which was uh, through my, my attachment. And from then, I started sharing the importance of conservation, so I became now an educator to talk about conservation. And that is how, as a conservationist who is trained to take care of wildlife. I moved now to Communicating Conservation. And since then, since my university, more than 20 years ago, I've just been doing conservation education.
0: Well, you can see it's clearly your passion. And I just wondered how optimistic are you for the future generation there we were today in one of the classrooms here at the primary school. The children are absolutely charming. Mm. How optimistic are you that they will carry on the legacy that conservationists like you have started? And how optimistic are you for the future of our of our natural world and the, the beautiful species that I've been lucky enough to see today?
1: There's a very positive future when we continue engaging the young generation. I'm very convinced that my 20 years, what my 20 years have been able to impact on the environment is, is great. I'll be I'll be showing you a photo of my colleague in Lewa. I met last week. It's very interesting because uh, she's already she told me, I know you cannot remember me. You took me for a field trip when I was in grade four and now i just got an employment in lewa she told me that i took conservation as a career out of your trip that you took us to all this was before i came to lewa before because before i came into lewa and worked for an organization called like ipodre for long for seven years so that girl i handled her while she was very tiny in grade four and uh, she is showing me photos that she took during that trip. I have several guides working for Lewa that I have met and told me, Fantas, you took me out for a field trip in one of the Lewa supporting schools that is in the western side of the conservancy. And somebody told me, You took me for a trip while I was in the primary school, and now I am a guide on Lewa. And for the years I've worked, I've interacted with so many students, not just in Lewa and even before coming to Lewa. And there are several people I know through the exposure I've given, Lily contributing positively towards making this world a better place. And the more we engage the younger generation, the more we have people who can think about the environment after us.
0: That's a very positive yes. note to end on. You've uh, been a fantastic guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so generous, and and please keep on doing what you're doing because education is is so important, isn't it?
1: Yes, I really appreciate for what one is doing, what Task is really doing to ensure that we continue collaborating in in various aspects in the development of resources that really continues to communicate our responsibilities as humans to and the environment. And I believe I do my part, you do my part, and the little thing each one of us does, we are going to change the world. So thank you very much, and I really appreciate your time.
0: Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure for me you've been listening to Afantas Mugo Conservation Education Programme Controller for the Lewa Conservancy in Northern Kenya whose passion for education is making a palpable difference and helping ensure that the good work Lewa and Tusk have done over the last few decades will continue through the younger generation and my thanks as well to 91 for introducing us who knows where I'll be next week it certainly won't be this gorgeous little primary school on the edge of Lewa but I will be with another inspirational guest so join me then.